Well, good afternoon. Good, I guess it's still morning, uh, but it's great to see you today. Just a couple of things before we uh, open God's Word today. Uh, one is uh, I just want to say thank you to you and, and many of our worship team. Over the last uh, three weeks, we've had two Saturdays where we've had uh, uh, memorial services here at the church, and many of you in, through your Bible fellowship have been just gone overboard to take care of families, and our worship team has uh, led out in so many things. So this, I just want to thank you and our worship team for uh, just the incredible uh, service they do. Number two, I've been uh, really encouraging you about upcoming elections. Um, and, and I know some people are thinking, Mark, you know, we're, uh, this is not home. Uh, we're, we're citizens of heaven, and, and sometimes people uh, can use that as an excuse to not be actively involved where, where God has placed them. I think it's interesting, uh, well, that, that's no, well, it, it's, it, it's uh, you remember when uh, the, they got exiled to Babylon, the children of Israel, and uh, especially Jeremiah is crying out, and the Lord says, you, you plant where I've put you, you make a difference right where you're at, so God has us for such a time in history, and uh, not just Big midterm elections are coming up, but uh, elections locally, especially in school board. And I encourage you last week to register. You've got, I think, week and a half left to register. And so uh, I cannot do this for you. I can do everything I can to provide for you. But we have two registrars out in the uh, foyer. So if you're not uh, registered... All you got to do is go out there to those ladies at the table and give them your information and they will take your card in and you will be registered. I, I can't do any more for you uh, other than that. If, if, uh, if, here's another thing I've learned. If your address is not your current address, you need to re-register, okay? Uh, so... I know that many of you moved in here and you haven't even changed your driver's license yet, but this is uh, what we can do right there. Also, if you're 17, you can go ahead and register. And if you're 17 within two months of the election, even afterwards, they just told me you can vote. So, hey, 17-year-olds, there you go. There you go right there. So I would encourage you uh, in that area. We've been talking about distractions, those things that take your eyes off the Lord, those things that are, are uh, just always fighting for your attention. And I, I know that many of you uh, struggle in the area of distractions. If the enemy cannot make you bad and keep you from Christ, the next thing he'll do is to try to distract you and to take your eyes off of Christ. And uh, we've talked about uh, trials, how that trials come. And if you're a guest today, we're walking through a little letter in the New Testament called James. 
He talked about trials, how that trials come. Uh, trials come to all of us, and they can be a distraction. Secondly, we talked about anger. That anger, and we live in a day where anger is just right under the surface, man. I mean, you're just wondering what, what makes a powder keg explode all of a sudden. Uh, and then last week, we talked about pride, pleasure, and entitlement. Now, these become distractions because we think we deserve certain things, and, uh, and we, uh, we struggle in that area. Uh, many of us spiritually are like the uh, dog Doug in the movie Up. Uh, many of you saw the movie Up. I'm in tears in the first five minutes of the thing, wa- watching the thing. But then Doug, uh, remember what would come in, and he squirrel, and then he was all of a sudden he was off. And many of us spiritually uh, loud squirrel distractions to come in and they take our eyes off of uh, off of Jesus Christ uh, there was a man who um, worked in a warehouse and as he worked in this warehouse they they did a lot of uh, woodworking in this um, in this warehouse and the and the guard the watchman they they told him listen Somebody is stealing things. We know they're stealing things. We just can't catch them. So we need you to have an extra lookout. So he's, uh, he's ready for it. So the whistle comes at the end of the day, and uh, here come people leaving. Well, here comes a guy pushing a wheelbarrow, and in this wheelbarrow, he has these sacks of things that are on the wheelbarrow. And uh, the guy says, okay, I got him now, said, you need to stop, let me look in your sacks. He says, what's in your sacks? And he looks in there, he says, well, they're just uh, sawdust and wood shavings. It's all that is in there. He said, okay, go ahead and go. Well, the next day he's coming with a wheelbarrow and the sack's in there once again, and he thinks, I know that guy. I know he's stealing something. What's in your sacks? And he looks in there, and there's sawdust and, and wood shavings. And he said, okay let him leave, and they said, man, I still think that guy's guilty of something. So the next day comes, same thing. Wilbarrow, uh, he's got the shavings, and, and he just has to let him go. And then he stops him on the next day. He says, man, I know you're stealing something. I know you're stealing something. said, I tell you what, let me in on it, and I will not tell the uh, higher-ups that you're stealing. What is it that you're stealing? He said, I'm stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> you know, it was a distraction to have the wood sh- chips and the uh, sawdust, but it, it was right before his eyes. And I think sometimes the enemy is so subtle in his distractions that he just take their eyes off of uh, focus on the Lord, especially for us as believers. Uh, today we're going to talk about the distraction of ma- materialism, material stuff that we have. Um, 
I know this. I have lived long enough and voted in enough elections and talked to a, uh, enough people that the elections, especially presidential elections, but even these midterm elections, we can interview everybody and everybody will say certain things, but I can tell you bottom line how that people are going to vote. They're going to vote for the person that is going to keep the most money in their pocket. This is just a reality. We can talk about uh, immigration. We can talk about uh, right to life. We can talk about many others' agendas. And we think, well, that's the agenda. But we're going to vote by our pocketbooks so often and is the way we vote. And that's the way it will be, especially in two years when we do a presidential election. But here's some thoughts before we read God's Word. First of all, my thought is this. We must have material stuff to live on this planet. You know, if you don't have a job, if you don't have income, it's hard to live anywhere, but especially here in Round Rock, Texas. Uh, we know the cost of living is uh, such a uh, level. We know that housing costs, we know car costs, gas, everything just for livelihood. We know that we must have material stuff to live in this world. Second of all, I want you to agree at this. God is not oblivious to the fact that you need material stuff to live on this planet. It, it, sometimes we think, oh, God just wants to keep me poor. He wants, uh, he wants me just to scrape by and this kind of thing. Let me tell you something. We have a loving Father that understands we need stuff to make it on this planet. Third is this that I want you to grab. Money and stuff are actually neutral in themselves. We... Uh, we think about money, we think, uh, uh, is money evil? And, and many times we misquote First uh, uh, Timothy. We say money is the root of all evil. No, money is neutral. It, it, uh, it's a neutral thing. Stuff is a neutral thing. It's not bad in itself. But here's where the battle comes. Are you ready? The battle comes in to, do you manage your stuff? Or does your stuff manage you? That really is what it boils down to. Do you own and use things that God has allowed you to have? Or do you worship other things on this planet that is material stuff? Jesus said this. He says, uh, you cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Man cannot serve both God and money. So you are caught in this dilemma of this battle of, yes, I need stuff on this planet. God knows I need stuff on this planet. He has provided everything that I will ever need. He's obligated himself for that. However, the battle comes in that this stuff is always wanting to control me instead of me controlling this stuff. And some of you are marketing people in this room. We have a daughter that got a degree in marketing. And marketing actually works 
to uh, address your cravings that are there. You're going to probably watch football or a movie today. You'll cut on the TV and you'll watch the ads and, and all of a sudden you didn't know you were hungry. You just finished lunch, but Pizza Hut comes on and all of a sudden you want it because why? They're addressing your cravings that are there. Whatever else it may be, uh, they are wanting to hit on a craving for you and you will uh, buy into it because that's the way marketing works. Well, James chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, James deals with this area of materialism and how it will become a distraction for you if you do not deal with it. So let me read James 5, 1 through 8, and then we're going to come back and look at it more in-depthly. This is a very stern passage because he starts out with the words, Come now. and It's like a football coach calling the team together and saying, Listen up. Listen up. You've got to hear what I'm about to say. And that's, that's the tone. He says, Come now, you rich. And, and, and I'm not going to stop at every phrase, but many people think, well, this isn't about me because I'm not a rich person. If you think you're not a rich person in this world, I encourage you to go on a mission trip with Pastor Jim Rowan, our missions pastor, anywhere in the world. And I'm telling you, anywhere in the world, when you come back here, you're thinking, I am really rich. Because, listen, I, I don't know, uh, most Americans are in the top 1% of the world. I mean, it is just crazy. And we think because we're relative and we compare ourselves to one another, we think I'm not rich. But j- imagine this, James is speaking to us. Come now, you rich Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields when you kept back by fraud are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord." See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the earth early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We're going to stop there today and deal with this distraction of materialism that haunts us so much. And I want to kind of unpack this a little bit because James uses some illustrations that we don't fully grasp. But he says in in verse 2, Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. He's talking about three levels of materialism 
that the people in the Scripture Middle East would deal with, and you and I deal with too. He talks about, first of all, he talks about grain. And you're saying, how do you get grain? He says their riches have rotted. Uh, he's referring to the grain that you've harvested. And many people would take grain and they hoard it and they put it away. But he says, your grain has rotted. So grain was one area of materialism. Number two is the garments you wore. You remember uh, Joseph in the Old Testament, his dad gave him, we, we talk about a coat of many colors. It was probably a long sleeve coat, a very nice coat uh, that his dad had given him. And garments, so it was not only grain, but it was garments that set a person apart. And, he, and notice what he said. He says, your garments are moth-eaten. You, you know, they're, they're temporary. And then he says, gold. So a person's wealth could be measured by the grain they had, by the garments they had, by the gold they had. And he said, your gold and your silver are going to corrode. So what is James saying? He says, listen, everything that you're banking on materialistically is temporary. It's going to go away. So everything you see, everything you're stockpiling, everything that you think makes you a somebody, it's eventually going to fade away. So you need to focus on what is eternal. And uh, we, we are interesting in our day. We, we do not think in the temporary realm. Even though, uh, even Apple, uh, who, who have almost a monopoly with phones, and I know you... Uh, uh, you Android people are going to say, no, 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 no. But even the Android people, you know, your phone, your watch, everything, even though it's digital and the way it is, it's within two or three years, they make you buy, buy a new one because it's temporary. We're going to do the latest, greatest. Uh, when, when I was younger... And uh, there was something called layaway. And uh, this generation has no clue what layaway was. If you wanted something, you wanted furniture, you wanted a stereo, you wanted a bike, whatever you may be, you would go to the store and you would put a certain amount down. They would put your item back in an area until you paid it off and then you could get it. That. We chuckle at that today because today we just throw out plastic and we get it. And by the time we pay it off, it's already broken. That's just the way it is. But there was a day of, of you built up and you saved up to buy that because all things are temporary. And so what James does is because these things are temporary, they're going to lead to certain sins in your life. If you're not careful, they're going to encompass you and take you down. What is those sins? Well, first of all, he says in verse 3, you have laid up treasures in the last day. And the laid up here is a hoarding. It's a picture of hoarding. In other words, you have just keep gathering and gathering and gathering. You don't even need it anymore. You've got storage buildings you got closets full of clothes and shoes that you don't even wear anymore. 
you're just hoarding. You're just laying up, and, it's, and it's, you're worrying about it, and that's what you're doing. And so the sin of hoarding. And what happens with hoarding is that you start defending your stuff. You're going to do everything you can to save your stuff. You've probably done the exercise before that if your house were to catch on fire, what would you go in and get? And I know everybody in this room would say, oh, I'd grab my Bible. First thing I would get. Now, uh, you can get a Bible. Go to our lost and frown. You can get a Bible. But, but what would you get? What is so important? So hoarding, you defend yourself. The second sin, notice what he says in verse 4. He says, he's talking about the guy that mows your yard or your field. And he says, you kept back by fraud. You cheated him out of his wages. You became a cheapskate because you had so much. You actually hurt other people and you cheat them because of your uh, wealth that you have. Uh, I've heard it said before by people that wait on tables at restaurants that many of them hate to work on Sunday because church people are the worst tippers that exist. And because we think, oh, I gave my money to the Lord or whatever. Uh, what we do is we we got to be careful of becoming cheapskates and known for that instead of blessing other people. And then there's a third sin that James deals with in verse 5. He says, you have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. Uh, in other words, you are worshiping your stuff and it is controlling you. And anything that is self-induced instead of God glorifying, that's what sin is. It's self above the Lord. And so what James he lists out three sins that come from materialism and in just wanting to have. Hoarding, fraud, and self-indulgence. And we know that Paul said in 1 Timothy, which I quoted earlier, he, 1 Timothy 6.10, he said that, that the love of money is the root of all the evil. Money itself is neutral. But when you start to love and to protect your stuff above all else, then you have succumbed and the love of money is the root of all evil. In other words, here's my thoughts when, it, when we look at James and what he's saying. Love and the desire to accumulate will lead to destruction. Let me read that again. Love and the desire to accumulate will lead to destruction. And I'm not saying about saving money or saving money for your kids. I, that's what I want to talk about. But when worldliness and materialism just gets you and controls you, it will lead to destruction. Many of you have heard the term, he has a Midas touch, or she has a Midas touch. And what we mean by that is that um, uh, a person just, he has the way of making money. And man, whatever he does just turns into gold for him. He just has a Midas touch. But you may not know the story of, of Midas. 
Midas is a, a mythological story, and he went before the gods, and he said, I want that everything I touch to turn to gold. And they said, we will grant you this, but you got to know it is not reversible. So Midas took the touch from the gods. He went back to earth, and he touched a rock, a boulder, and it turned into gold. He thought, this is incredible. He touched some other things. They turned into gold. This is incredible. Everything I touch turns to gold. And so that, that greed and that materialism was getting fed inside of him. But he got physically hungry. And so he sat down to eat and he touched the food. And the food turned to gold and was unedible. He touched something else at the table. It turned to gold. He could not eat it. So the, the, and it was not reversible. So the thing that he thought would lead to his dom, world dominance and to feed the greed in his life in, ter, in the end turned out to be his destruction. And we have to be careful because many on our planet think, if I can just get more, how much is enough? Well, I know it's $1 more. And I know some of you say that we hear the term that money can't buy happiness, and we'd all like to trust that theory out, but it's the truth. It's the truth that, that money will not fill the emptiness. Here's another thought. Character and faith are displayed in how you deal with your finances. Character and faith are displayed in how you deal with your finances finances so here's where i want to go because james deals with it what is the antidote for materialism what how can we live on this planet when our god is money and our stomachs how can we have an antidote so that we're pleasing the father in everything that we do there's three quick ones one is this Know that Christ will return. Know that Christ will return. And that's what James says here. He says, uh, be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. The Lord is going to return. And here's, sometimes people will say, well, Mark, what's your end time view? Can you give, uh, can you give your end time view? And it, listen, I know you can read the scriptures and come up with many different uh, uh, philosophies on end time. And basically, we, all of them were going to say, well, we'll see what it's like in the end. But when I read the letters of the New Testament, when I read what Paul wrote, when I read what James wrote, when I read what John wrote, they were expecting Jesus to return at any moment. So... I think I'm in good company to think that Jesus could return at any moment. And James uses that to say, listen, your materialism is going to destroy you. So one of the antidotes is to know that you're going to stand before Jesus quickly. And somebody's going to say, yeah, Mark, but it's been 2,000 years and he hasn't returned yet. Oh, I... Praise God, he's so patient. Because if he were to return right now, you have many loved ones 
that would spend an eternity in hell. And you know it. So God, in His grace, is waiting. And here's the deal about Christ returning. All temporary stuff will burn up. It's going to burn up. So when Christ returns and you pull your gold out and say, Oh Lord, look what I have. I have all this gold. He's going to say, You've been collecting asphalt from heaven is what you've been doing. He owns it all. And so all temporary stuff will burn up. And the owner of the vineyard will be returning and reckoning on how we have lived our lives. He will return. And we will give an account. And you're saying, well, Mark, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. He has secured my eternity. Yes, but the Scriptures talk about rewards and it talks about what we're going to lay at Jesus' feet. And we have a responsibility and a reckoning for how we live our lives. Uh, I've had three funerals in the uh, last two weeks. And uh, at the cemetery the other day, just walking through and I, I look at tombstones. And I, I'm not sharing with you anything new. I, I say at a lot of funerals and you look at those tombstones and you see the date of birth and you see the dash and the date of death. And I always talk about how important that dash is because we're limited in the time we have during that dash to make an impact. But you know, it just hit me the other day, but there is a termination day. We, we all have a termination day. We all have a shelf life that is going to end. And part of that, Jesus may return first, but if not, we will be in his presence and, and there is no U-Haul in the back of a hearse. So know that Christ will return. Second thing that James lays out is this. Be patient and establish your heart. Be patient. Notice what he says in verse 8. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your heart. What does that mean? Set your compass on Christ. All of us are headed somewhere. There is some attraction that we are all headed for. And somebody may say, well, it's my career. Others may say it's my family. Others may say it's money. I want to make more. It's to travel. Whatever it may be. But let me tell you something. Those ought to be way down secondary issues compared to your calling in life to set your compass to follow after your Creator. That's what you're called to do. So set your compass on Christ Live your life to please Him, an audience of one, and know this, He is on His throne. Many of you watched the uh, funeral services for Queen Elizabeth the other day. Seventy years she was the monarch, queen. And most of the people, that, that the monarch, the throne... Even though the throne today is more of a symbol than a, a, power, uh, a power force, it's a symbol, but still there was a, a, a comfort in knowing that the throne was occupied. And we watched that funeral, and we watched the opulence of that funeral and all that took place and, and the coronation of King Charles and, 
and all of those kind of things. I want you to know that we have a, a heavenly king and his throne is always occupied, never empty. And it will never be empty. He has complete authority and he is completely in charge. So the third antidote that I want to give you is this. Giving is the true antidote for hoarding or materialism. Giving is the true antidote for materialism. We may not all have equal income in this room, but we are all called to give. I, I have met many people that actually have a spiritual gift of giving. And I can tell you this, looking back, and I've tried to do inventory in my brain, but all people that I know that have a spiritual gift of giving, God has favored them in the area of, of material blessing. I, it, it equates, it goes hand in hand. Now, I'm not saying if you give God a dollar, He'll give you ten back. That's not what I'm saying. You know I'm not a name-it-claim-it guy. But there is a formula and there is a, a perception in Scripture that as we give ourselves away, God returns blessing upon us. And your increase in income may not be to increase your standard of living, but to increase your standard of giving. Let me share that again. Your increase in income... You may get a raise, you may get a bonus, whatever. Your increase in income may not be to increase your standard of living, but to increase your standard of giving. We often think, oh, if I got a raise, we need to get a new car, we need to get a camper, we need to get another house, we need to do whatever. But God may be saying, oh, it's time for you to be blessed because I know you have a heart to help others and to give to others. And, and sometimes people say, well, in fact, Jesus himself said, you know, do not store for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves are breaking and steal, but store for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I know people think, well, how do I invest in heaven? How do I invest my material wealth in heaven? Well, you want to make sure that your heart is in line with him so that your giving can be what pleases his heart the most. And let, let me tell you something. Don't just give to the church just because you think, oh, I, I need to give to the church, I have to give to the church. No, we get to give to the church. We get to give to the kingdom work. And Pam and I have come to the conclusion, because I would not be at Central if this was not the case. I believe we can touch the world, and we are touching the world from right here. So for us to invest, it's not an investment. It's just we get to give to God's kingdom work and what he's doing here. And so I would encourage you that the number one antidote for materialism 
is to develop the gift of giving to others. And you will see your joy just increase to overwhelming. There's, it's been proven, and uh, I was reading about it even again this morning, about certain places where monkeys go uh, wild and they run free and they need to capture these monkeys. Well, one of the things they've discovered is if you take a coconut or a pumpkin or some kind of gourd and you carve out a hole in it, you take out some of the inside and you replace it with grain or fruit or, or something that's in there, that what the monkey will do is he will come in and he will reach into that gourd or pumpkin or, or coconut. The hole is just big enough for his hand to get into, and then he'll clutch whatever's in there, and he can't get his fist out of the hole. And he will not relinquish what he has so that he's trapped. And what happens in, then they can just come in and get the monkey, and he could have been released the whole time if he would have just released whatever he's gripping. And I think that many people in our day are losing out on spiritual blessing. They're missing out on a relationship with Christ because we are clinging so tightly to this world that it has us trapped. And so God is saying, listen, today is the day. Today is the day of you to open up your hand, not be gripping the things of this world, but grasping after me. And, and this is what I love. Uh, even in Matthew chapter 6, it says that, that we uh, don't, don't be anxious about you, the clothes you wear. Do not be anxious about you eat. Do not be anxious about this. And then it says this, For the Father knows that you need these things, but you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So that's what the Lord desires for us if we're going to live a full life. But you know as well as I do, the, the, the distraction of materialism takes our eyes off of Christ way too much. If we're going to jump into this antidote, God, deliver me from this distraction, then we're going to have to realize, Jesus, I'm going to stand before you, and it really may be soon. And I need to be patient. I need to reset my compass on you and the Lord I need to learn by your Spirit to give myself away. Let's pray. Father, we've talked about these distractions over the last four Sundays. <clears throat> and Father, I cannot, in my words, as much as I love Everybody in this room, I cannot open up their heart to see or open up their eyes to see that they are distracted. Father, I think in our day, in our culture, which has really gone awry, morally, commonsensically, materially, Anger-wise, trials, 
Lord, we have gone so off base. That, Father, you're poking your church right now and saying, refocus, refocus. Repent, return. If you don't know Christ today, church, it's time for you to come to Him. He's calling you. He's saying He is your hope. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He gave His life as a ransom for you. He became sin on your behalf so that you could come to relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He is ultimate forgiveness. He is the one that gives hope to life. He is the one who reconciles you to the Father. So today may be your day of saying, okay, Lord, I give myself to you. And I'm going to ask you to do something in just a moment. I'm going to pray that God would give you the courage to just step out and come down and take one of these pastors or elders by the hand and say, would you please pray for me? I'm wanting to begin this journey, but I need help. I pray that you have the courage. I pray that many of you have the courage to step out and come to this altar if materialism is haunting you or a family member to say, okay, God, I need to lay this at the altar. I need to open my hands up. I'm trapped because I have my fists balled up and I need to release today. Maybe you have health issues or relational issues or or mental issues and you just need prayer today. Church, I'm just telling you, I'm begging you, find the courage to deal with this today. So, Father, enough words. Please come in your power and speak to hearts and lives right now. I ask and plead with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. Elders, pastors, prayer people, make yourself available. And you come, come to this altar. We got the Lord's Supper available on my left and on my right. Come. Have the courage. Come.